Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on the impacts of emerging regulations on supply chain compliance. This series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. Ascent Compliance provides cloud-based SaaS solutions that help companies manage their supply chain data, facilitate stakeholder and supply chain education on regulatory and program requirements, and increase transparency between businesses. Ascent helps companies overcome the challenge of meeting their compliance business requirement. Finally, Ascent streamlines the data exchange process for suppliers, making it easier for them to comply with their customers' data requests. For more information, check out their website, ascentcompliance.com. In this special five-part podcast series, I visit with several members of the Ascent team to take a look at this topic review human trafficking and slavery developments, supply chain risk management programs, CSR value propositions, the current state of responsible mineral sourcing, and scaling up to meet challenges today, tomorrow, and down the road. It's a fascinating series that I know you will enjoy. In this episode, I visit with Jared Connors, supply chain compliance expert at Ascent Compliance We take a look at instituting broader supplier risk management programs in your organization. What to do, how to think through it, and how to move forward to do so. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode in our five-part exploration of impacts of emerging regulations. Today, I have with me Jared Connors. Jared is the supply chain expert at Ascent Compliance. Jared, first of all, uh, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Jared, um, we were talking a little bit uh, before we went on air about the current state of supply chain uh, in the context of the current administration's literally changing regulations uh, on export control, on sourcing, and a variety of other issues on a daily basis. So I guess the question I wanted to start with, if if it can even be answered in um now June of 2019 is what are the risk issues most companies are looking at when it comes to supply chain or is it just kind of all of the above right now yes that's it's a really interesting topic because i think a lot of companies if you were to talk about supply chain risk or you attend certain conferences you're going to see and hear a lot about operational risk issues and what i mean by that is business continuity um, quality lead time availability very typical procurement type risk issues to make sure that they can get the goods from suppliers they need to either assemble or manufacture or have assembled the products that they're trying to put to market and uh one thing that really goes by the wayside or gets I, i wouldn't say goes by the wayside i should say gets engaged after the fact and is not as early in the process as it should be is all of these other peripheral risk issues whether whether it be regulatory issues addressing corporate social responsibility from human trafficking regulations to environmental impacts like french duty of care corporate social responsibility issues um, another thing that really is shocking that not a lot of companies are addressing today with supply chain are sanctions issues or um, especially designated nationals and evaluations of their suppliers from the perspective of, am I even allowed to import goods from this company? So I think a lot of companies are are starting to realize that they're leaving a lot of risk issues on the table and they're not engaging. And for those who even are not engaging early enough in the process, 
to make sure that they're addressing those risks as they build that relationship with the third party. Can't tell you how many times I've talked to a corporate social responsibility representative, for example, who says, oh, well, I learned about this supplier uh, months after the contract was signed and the procurement representative said, well, I need you to address these risk issues that are out there. Or what do you mean we have risk issues out there with the supplier? We already have a contract. And it really puts them at a disadvantage to make sure that they're properly addressing and engaging those risks with the suppliers. And sometimes it doesn't mean that you need to um, necessarily uh, put a damper on the relationship. It just means that you might need to plant a seed with the supplier to make sure they're clear on what the expectations are. Because oftentimes risk from the supply chain is nothing more than level setting on expectations. Jared, the, um, one of the risks, or, or rather one of the tools that companies use to help manage these risks is evaluations, both internal evaluations and external with their own uh, third parties, their own vendors, and their own suppliers. If I could ask, what are you seeing are some of the biggest risks that are left out of this basic assessment tool? Yeah, so a lot of times what companies will do is they might be a member of uh, an industry association or they they might have a particular code of conduct that goes beyond some of their operational risk issues that are that are the standard, if you will, for procurement professionals to engage in. And they're looking at, say, very briefly environmental or some corporate social responsibility risk issues, but they're not necessarily always addressing some of those really big concerns like bribery and corruption or money laundering risk within the supply chain or serious litigations that might happen within the within the suppliers or are those suppliers run by politically exposed persons and what you should you be doing about it in fact if you were to use the term pep politically exposed person with your average um, supply chain risk um, owner, like maybe that's a CSR person or maybe that's somebody in procurement, they probably wouldn't even know what that term meant. Um, and that can have a big impact on organizations. So sometimes it's really interesting to just simply look at the profile of that company to better understand their management structure, a little bit about their ownership, their governance model. And so when you take some of those things into account and you look at what's the risk of a company's governance program, and you say, well, Jared, what do you mean by governance? That might mean what their management procedures and policies are to address some of these broader concerns that may impact you, especially as a U.S. firm. If you look at, for example, the DOJ's guiding principle on ethics, there's a lot in there about the framework on how you address uh, risk issues within third parties, or it can be applied, I sh should say, to how you can address risk issues with third parties. And that's really important to make sure that you're covering all of those different areas and you're not simply skimming the surface with, uh, well, this is in my code of conduct and therefore I'm going to ask a question on it. Jared, um, one of the things that uh, has struck me is in the area of technology, many in many of the compliance professionals I talk with, it's not that they're afraid of technology, it's that they simply just don't know how to use it and more importantly, how to evaluate the information that is coming from it. Uh, so I really wanted to ask you, how can a supply chain professional or even a broader compliance professional think through utilizing a technological solution but not being overwhelmed by the amount of data that comes out of it and at the same time, keeping the program within some sort of budgetary reason. 
Yeah, yeah. Keeping it within reason is a big deal for a lot of compliance professionals out there. And and I think the there's this mindset that we have, well, we've always done it this way. We've always done audits on our suppliers, meaning physical audits, you know, two, three days as, as you know, you always, as a former supply chain auditor, I always used to hear, well, I'll give you three days on my facility. That's, you know, the, the maximum three-day rule. Well, the average cost of a supplier engagement audit is over $35,000 for a three-day audit. And so if you're thinking about that and that's your go-to, right, why wouldn't you be relying on tools, technology, direct supplier engagements, evaluations that can better determine if those suppliers even should be going to those audits, number one. And number two, what should those audits consist of when they're there? Because oftentimes when you go through, and I, I know this from being an auditor too, um, companies are going, well, you know, some of these technologies are out there. They're so great. You know, that's, that's wonderful and all, but I need to have eyes on. I need to see what's going on in my supplier facility. Well, do you? Because oftentimes as an auditor, when you don't have any understanding of what's going on in the facility, when you walk in and you're, and you're there for that three days and you've got your clipboard and you've got your auditor's checklist, if you're organized as an auditor, you're going through and you're evaluating all of these different topics and you're doing everything you can to get through all of them in a single period of time because you got that three-day maximum rule or that two-day maximum rule that the supplier has given you. They're going to boot you out after that. And if you had some pre-information from some of those great evaluations tools out there um, that suppliers can provide information into, or you can get information on the supplier directly, and I'll talk about that in a second, um, it, it'll better serve the audit if you even need to do one, um, what that auditor's focus should be and what the emphasis within their checklist um, should be rather than one topic over the other. And, and so examples of that are questionnaires, right? And everybody says, oh, Jared, why would you ever advocate for a questionnaire? I can give you my best foot forward on a questionnaire. Well, eh, I beg to differ on that. It all depends on how you've written those. And then secondly, um, companies will say, well, you know, if I'm submitting a questionnaire to a supplier, what am I doing for the other 51 weeks a year? Well, there are ways to very inexpensively monitor suppliers through tools like adverse media monitoring and especially, most importantly, denied party screening to make sure that they aren't an SDN, especially designated national, so that you always have eyes on and you're always conducting due diligence. Because I think that's one of the biggest gaps in companies' uh, programs today is – well, I sent them a questionnaire last April, and now I'm done until potentially next April. Um, well, did you give them corrective actions? Did you give them notice about what may be an issue for what your expectations are? And oftentimes you hear the answer is, no, I simply collected a questionnaire and and I got my risk score and I'm done with it. Well, what did you do with that data that's most important? And are you utilizing a process that can help you automate that so that you're not manually sifting through all of that data? Is there is there an opportunity for you to submit a questionnaire and get an exact feedback um, for on that supplier and maybe even for them to then go off and prosper and make a change within their facility that can that can better support your needs if it's not getting into trouble with some reputational hit like environmental concerns or, or labor concerns or if it's helping them make a change in their own quality management system so that you can get cheaper, faster, better goods delivered on time. So there's a lot you can do um, with tools that automate processes. And, and if these rules are preset, I, uh, I heard this term once, auditing, it was um, emotional-based accountability. 
um, or sorry, mood-based accountability is the term, this actual wording that I heard. And that was one of the first things I got training on was mood-based accountability. Make sure that you're always removing subjectivity when you're doing these evaluations. And that's what tools do. If tools have preset rules for how they're evaluating the feedback from a supplier, they're going to have a preset rule for how that supplier conducts a corrective action rather than mood-based accountability, which is often the case as we manually sift through all this stuff and we get tired of it or we've seen it a hundred times and we're trying to just get this over with or check a box and we're not being held accountable and we're certainly not holding our suppliers accountable um, through creating standard processes or feedback loops. So a long way around the barn there, but a little bit about how you can properly engage with suppliers. Yeah, the wow, there was a lot in there to unpack. I just want to take a couple of things one uh, and and I want to ask if if uh, if I heard heard you correctly, but it struck me you said two key things in there. One was it's all information allows you to refine your risk assessment. Sorry, I lost you there for a minute, Tom. You obtain those data points. That's how you can come up with a final risk assessment. But that risk assessment is completely dynamic. The second thing is, and the overarching theme of what I thought I heard you say, was this is an entirely holistic approach. It is a a very symbiotic relationship with your suppliers. It's their sharing of data. It's having a relationship with them that allows you to trust the data that uh, you're receiving from them, but also allows you to uh, the opportunity to verify that data in the manner which you deem appropriate. And once again, as you said several times, it's not getting, it's not simply getting the data. It's how do you use that data in either remediation, documentation, or uh, in other format. Would those be fair assessments? Absolutely. So I didn't catch the first part of that because we're talking about tools that you can use for your compliance process. And for some reason, the Wi-Fi cut out there for a second, but I caught that that second part. So if you don't mind, could you just repeat that first segment for me there? Sure. The first part was really, uh, it started off about risk assessments, but a risk assessment is uh, one data point that is continually refined with it as with the additional data that you receive so that your risk assessments is being refined, allowing you to come up with the suppliers, the situations, the markets, the geographies, the uh, uh, materials that are at risk for you based upon your risk assessment. And then then if you needed to take the extraordinary steps of on-site or other intrusive forms of verification, uh, take those, but in a cost-effective manner. Absolutely. And there's levels of risk assessment that you can conduct. Here's a really good example. A lot of organizations will have their supplier management or supplier onboarding portals that they might use. They might even use that through our software, for example, where they're, I have a supplier or I want to become a supplier to you and I want to tell you what I can do. You can start through those very basic, oftentimes public information on a third party to uh, determine your initial risk. And from your initial risk, and those things can be based on things like what types of materials they're producing for you, what's the risk associated with those types of materials manufacturing-wise, labor concerns-wise, what geography are they in, um, how often are you ordering, what types of ordering are you placing, what are are they, um, what what kind of percentage or or, um, reliance do you have on them in terms of uh, spends and uh, um, Um, You know, how vulnerable are you with this supplier if that supplier were to no longer exist tomorrow? Are they strategic critical alliance, you know, to use some procurement terms? So a lot of those things can actually provide your initial risk. And then as you start to gather information on 
um, or from the supplier, now that you've gotten some information on the supplier, then that can further help refine the focus areas that you're going to address with the supplier so that when you do, if you do need to get to a physical audit, oftentimes I find that corrective actions, for example, can be done long before physical audit and a physical audit can be used to actually assess uh, uh, if they've instituted those corrective actions. And so then then the auditor can go and focus on those things. So if you do need to get to an audit, then the auditor knows going ahead ahead of time, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is what I'm going to be looking for. And for those companies who simply can't afford audits because they've got too large of a supply base or they can't get to everyone, a lot of these risk assessments and, and automated tools to help support that risk assessment, if you've got you know, thousands of suppliers, for example, can really reduce your burden for going through and evaluating this stuff and help you, um, you know, be assured that you're not missing anything. Let's say, for example, you want to make sure a supplier has a policy on child labor. Um, do you oftentimes open that policy and review the aspects of that policy uh, to make sure it's meeting all the expectations for what a quality policy is for child labor, addressing concerns like um, uh, keeping uh, travel documents or, or age verification documents or even looking at them, um, break times, overtime requirements, all of those important pieces of a lot of these modern-day slavery regulations um, do companies even open those policies? In my experience, the answer is no. But if you're using a tool or a system that can actually help evaluate those, then you can not only ask the question, but then ask the supplier to walk the talk through a verification of their policy without ever even physically opening it um, with a person's uh, and putting a person's eyes on it. Well, Jared, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time today. I've been visiting with Jared Connors. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow or I take up the topic of what's your CSR value proposition with Sarah Carpenter. Jared, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Sarah. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Impacts of Emerging Regulations on Supply Chain Compliance. I hope you join us again tomorrow for our next episode. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. You can learn more about Ascent Compliance by checking out their website, www.ascentcompliance.com. This special five-part podcast series has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.